0: uh so so glad that you're with us uh my name is Dwight um I I'm really excited about being able to gather together again uh this is my third sermon today um and so very very excited and I'm going to turn my phone off because I just don't want to be texted right now and it's kind of there are times in life where you should just shut your phone off and preaching is one of those uh so um so glad to uh so glad to get to do this all day um I'm going to pray for us, but before I do that, I just want to, um, you know, sometimes we, we hear in the midst of announcements so many facts, like we just got a lot of facts, um, but it's pretty incredible that we get to be together again, uh, and next week is like a year, more than a year of like waiting, and we've been doing these five different locations, and so we have an opportunity to have 250 people safely spaced out around tables and by households and all that in the auditorium that can seat like 500 people. So please, you know, don't just come next week, but invite people. Invite people who are searching. Invite people who have questions. Invite people who um, didn't know they wanted anything to do with with Jesus. And we're going to have a big uh, celebration around who Jesus is and what he's done with the entire church. So hoping to max out our our 250, which would be a really great problem uh, to have. But um. On This is Palm Sunday. I don't know if you're, you're familiar with the church calendar, but like, you ju- man, thank you so much. Where did you find that? Oh, okay. That's amazing. The gift of making uh, music stands appear. So, um, today's Palm Sunday, and I don't know if you've been part of a tradition before, where, like they hand you out a palm, and like at some point during the thing you like wave them uh, that's too high tech for me, so we just choose to skip right over the, the palms and go live stream instead, and, um, and we're going to talk about uh, tongues today, and you might be like, why are we talking about that? Well, you're going to find out after I pray, so let me pray. Uh, God, thank you that you are alive, active, and moving. Thank you that you are here with us. Thank you that you um, love to interrupt our, our plans. You love to... Um, you love to speak to us in ways that we weren't expecting, and I pray that you would do that tonight. I pray that you would um, engage us with with your word. We believe um, well, some of us believe that the Bible is true, and some of us might be here and we think that maybe the Bible's a joke. And I'm so glad that you've brought us all here, and, uh, and I pray for our hearts and our ears and our and our minds to understand and and not just understand but feel. Um, what you have to say to us uh, this evening. Would you prepare our hearts uh, to worship you, um, to to lay down all other agendas at, at your feet and claim that you are the one with the true agenda, and we want to get behind that. And so uh, we love you and we need you for everything. Amen. All right, so uh, what is, question time. Now, this is supposed to be interactive. and I know it's going to be like muffled through the mask, but I don't, I don't care. Let's go for it. What is the most uh, controversial and divisive issue in 21st century Christianity? Man, everyone, all the other locations got this super fast. So I, they're super tuned into our social media. Yeah, yeah, yell it out. Okay, same-sex marriage? No, but that would, you would assume that that would be one. But no, tongues. Yeah, like great, good. Uh, I kind of gave away the answer at the beginning. It, yeah, there's so many things, right? Sexuality, gender, uh, Bible. Like, there's so many things that we could fight over that we could uh, be divisive around. But it's tongues, and you're like, tongues. Why would like this little organ be something that we're dividing over? And it's not that. It's it's the gift of tongues, and so you're like, well, what is that? Well. That's what we're going to look at tonight. Um, Also, in line with that, by the way, I'm so glad that kids are here. Uh, My kids aren't here, um, so that's cool. But I do not mind your kids talking. If they want to chirp at me, like, I am completely cool with that. So uh, apparently there's like a little kids ministry thing happening above us too. So it's not the Lord speaking to us through thunder. It is little kids feet above us. So, um, So we have tongues, but then we also have interpretation that goes with this gift. And so we're going to look at both of these. We're in the middle of this series on spiritual gifts. You might be asking, what are spiritual gifts? How do I get a spiritual gift? No one gave me one at the door. We're not allowed to give you anything, but we can't give spiritual gifts anyway. Um, Here's what a spiritual gift is. It's something that God gives to his people when they begin to be followers of him. These are given to God's people when they become followers of him. So these aren't like natural-born talents, though he might use those as well. These are supernatural gifts that are given to his people. Now, how did they get these gifts? How did they get them? Well, we believe... Like, we're going to celebrate Easter. We believe that Jesus came, and he came into the middle of our story. Now, our story is one of pandemic. Not right now, though we're in one, but our story is truly one of ultimate pandemic, that the ending is not going to be good for us, according to the Bible, that we believe, and you might be like, man, you're out there. You're crazy. I get it. Like, I became a follower of Jesus at 22, up till 22. I thought people were crazy who believed this stuff as well but we believe that God made us and that we were made for him. Primarily, we were made to be in relationship with him. That when we struggle to find purpose, meaning, value, it's really our hearts longing for him. And so we've been searching, we've been trying to find it, and, and we, if we're honest, we say, man, I don't know if I'm ever gonna find satisfaction in this life. I don't know that I'm ever gonna find my, my reason for being. And then Jesus enters into the story a few thousand years ago, into human history anyway. And Jesus comes and he lives a a life unlike you and I. I haven't heard too many people claiming to live moral lives basically on the same level as Jesus, right? You have to be pretty arrogant to do that. And, um, this is going to get loud tonight. This is going to be awesome. Um, so I'm just going to have to preach louder. When, when distractions come, I just get louder, all right? So I'm so sorry. I just yell in my house all the time. And they're like, you're so angry. I'm like, no, this is baseline for me. This is just my baseline. I'm, I'm happy and content. Um, but Jesus comes into our mess. He comes into our mess in the same way that if you want to blow up a rock, do you know how you do that? you like drill down into the rock and you put dynamite in. This is like every little boy, maybe every little girl's too. Like I don't want to discriminate on that. But as a little boy, I would love to put dynamite in the middle of a rock and watch that blow up, right? I would love to do that. And Jesus comes into death, takes on on humanity, goes to the cross, he wears our rebellion, he wears our alternate realities, he wears our stories of trying to be world leader, he wears our false attempts at that and, and dies for those because those are actually rebellion against God. They're rebellion against the one that we were made to live in relationship with. And Jesus goes into death and blows up death. And he does that by rising from the grave and showing us what humanity is actually gonna be like. That our, our future, if you're a follower of Jesus, is not this strange, um, spiritual, floating on a cloud type of thing. It's very real, embodied, physical, yet almost kind of like transphysical, in that we're we're physical, but yet some of the physical boundaries can be broken by our new bodies, and that's what Jesus does. There are times where Jesus eats fish, and then there are times after Jesus' resurrection that he walks through a wall, and you're like, how does that work out? Resurrection bodies. That's exciting, isn't it? You get to be a little bit more like an Avenger one day, maybe. And so when Jesus rises from from the grave, he sends his spirit and the spirit comes with gifts. It's like Christmas time. And the gifts are are enough for everyone to have gifts. It's not just a few of the spiritual or religious elite. It's that everyone gets gifts. And so all people who are followers of Jesus have gifts supernaturally given to them by the spirit of God to build up and strengthen and encourage and grow the church. This is really God, like, flexing. If I had big muscles, I would flex at this moment, but I don't, so I have to talk about it. But this is God flexing through us, right? He's flexing through his people to show his might through his weak people, right? We're not, we're not all that strong, right? We, we enter into certain things, and, like, mentally, we can't take it. Emotionally, we can't take it. Physically, we can't take it. And God uses our weakness to show his strength, and so gifts, this is what we're on about. And we're talking about tongues, and I just want to like preface this by saying, this is one of the strangest gifts out there. It's one of the most strange um, in terms of our natural world, because it seems just out there. And we don't have a lot of information in the Bible about it. In fact, I'm going to go through all the information we have in a matter of five minutes, But let me just break down the Bible real quick. The Bible's broken up into two big categories. There's Old Testament, which just think before Jesus came. And then there's New Testament. That's like Jesus's life, death, resurrection, and the first 100 year snippets of, of church history and letters and things that are written to the church. So in the New Testament, there's a book called the Book of Acts. And this is like early church. Church just began. The first few followers are there in a little room like this maybe. And then the church begins to grow. And it says that there were 120 people in Acts chapter 2 that were gathered together, they were praying, and then the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, came on them, and it says that tongues of fire came upon them. Now, they didn't go to language school, okay? I I was born an Anglophone, I now speak both English and French, but that was hard work for me. I had to learn, I had to learn French. Well, on that day, people from Galilee, a place in, in Israel, People from Galilee who didn't have a Persian language class available to them were speaking Persian. They were speaking new languages that weren't accessible to them before that moment. So the Spirit of God comes and brings tongues. And tongues, in that instance, were known languages that became accessible to people who didn't know them so that they could then go out and proclaim who Jesus is and what he's done. So tongues can be known languages that are given in a moment like that. Then you get to Acts chapter 10. This is the second instance in the book of Acts. There's a guy named Cornelius. He was a Gentile, which is probably like most of us, non-Jew. So there were Jews and Gentiles. That was how the world was broken down in biblical categories. The Gentiles are not part of the people of God, yet he was a follower of, wanted to be a follower of God. He feared God. And he comes to understand who Jesus is and his whole household, they just start speaking in tongues. But as far as we can tell in the text, it's unknown languages. So, we have known languages in Acts 2. We have Acts chapter 10, unknown language. Like, this is kind of like heavenly gibberish in a sense. Like, no one really knows what they're saying, but they're speaking and uttering new things that haven't been spoken before. And then we get to Acts chapter 19, it's the same thing, like heavenly gibberish in a sense. That's all the information we have about the gift of tongues in the book of Acts. We don't have a lot. Unfortunately and unhelpfully, Christians have filled in the gaps. Okay, so I just apologize for all of us who are followers of Jesus. Um, We've filled in the gaps and we've really created three silos of people. Now, the first silo is the silo that says, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have to speak in tongues. And if you don't speak in tongues, you're either not a follower of Jesus or I don't know how you became one. So there's that silo. And that, that silo has a lot of shame to it. Because if you don't have the gift of tongues and you're like, oh, so I'm like a sub-Christian or sub-follower of Jesus, how does this work out? The second um, silo, by the way, at 11 o'clock when we meet down here, there's no kids ministry above us, which is... No, we we have rejoicing to come. Um, Second silo is those who say, like, there are no gifts of tongues anymore. That was like for the book of Acts and early church. They needed that, but now we have the Bible. We don't need that anymore. So that's that group. Tongues don't exist anymore. And I would say that's just as unbiblical of a position, humbly saying this, unbiblical of a position as the first one. That you have to have tongues to be a follower of Jesus. Er, Can't find that in the Bible. And also that tongues don't exist. Er, Can't find that in the Bible. So we have a third category. Um, And that third category is one that I I think is accurate. And that that tongues are actually for today. The spiritual gift is for today. And it's not a sign that you're a Christian or not. It's not an elitist sign. If you have this gift, man, you must be like rock star with Jesus. Like you guys are grooving out all the time. Not that. Tongues are for today, not a sign that you're a Christian, and it's not necessarily for everyone, that not everyone is going to have this gift. Now, along with this gift of tongues, we have the gift of interpretation. So as someone speaks publicly, we'll talk about this, as they speak publicly, it needs to be interpreted. Otherwise, it's just gibberish to us. It's like, I remember the first time I visited uh, Montreal, I came to do an internship with a church and they said, oh, if you wanna learn French, go to a French church. I'm like, yeah, but I don't know any French. You're like, no, 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 you're gonna learn. I didn't learn in that French church. But I remember sitting there hearing uh, a lot of sermons that made no sense. And when they would say, Jesus, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know that. Like, I'm with you, I'm tracking, he's talking about Jesus. That was all I had pretty much, right? It was like gibberish to me. But when a guy sat next to me, and was like, do you know what he's saying? I'm like, I have no idea. And he would just translate the sermon for me. And I'm like, oh, now I can engage with, with this reality. That, that the gift of tongues is really important for the church, but so is the gift of interpretation. And so we're going to look at these gifts pretty quickly tonight. And then we're going to have some time to, um, to spend in, in discussion in, um, in the presence of God. Right, We believe that God is here Uh, We don't believe that God is out in some corner of a galaxy waiting to see if we can figure things out here, but he is here, he's with us, he's moving, He is active, and so we're going to spend time with him in his presence and see what he does um, in our midst. But really, um, the content is me asking uh, three questions in two points. So here's what we're going to look at. What and why? What is tongues and and why were they given? Because I ask why all the time with this gift. I want to just say I'm very uncomfortable with this gift. I'm like putting my cards out there, okay? So if you're like, this is strange. I didn't know I was showing up for this. I'm like, I know, it's just, it's strange. And we just need to acknowledge that, embrace our awkwardness and keep moving forward. So what, um, what and why and then how? How do we do this? What and why and then how? Uh, Paul was writing to the church in Corinth, this letter. It's a letter, by the way. It's not just a theological book called 1 Corinthians. It's to the church in Corinth. And they were abusing the gift of tongues. Uh, they were doing it um, and practicing this gift however they wanted. They felt like this was a spiritual superiority if someone had the gift of tongues. And it's like someone would be preaching and then someone was, would just stand up and start going in tongues. And someone's like, well, I want, I'm louder than them. So then they would stand up and they would do it. And it was just like this big tongue party. Very strange. And so Paul is writing to correct them on this issue. Corinth had all kinds of issues as well, by the way. But tongues, what is tongues? Tongues is the supernatural ability, okay, track with me. Tongues is the supernatural ability to speak a known language or an unknown language, humanly speaking. So a supernatural ability to speak a known language or unknown language. It's very strange. Let me give you two examples of this uh number one my friend uh jeff he took like high school spanish like not a great spanish superstar and he was somewhere in the spanish world i don't remember where and he was doing a training and he had a translator with him so he would speak english and then the guy would would translate that and at one point during the training uh the translator just sat down and jeff looked at him and said wait what are you doing why are you sitting down he's like oh you're speaking spanish and he said never after that, never before that, did he speak Spanish at that level ever again. But for, for whatever reason that day, God said, no, 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 I'm gonna give you this gift for this moment. Uh, I travel to India uh, when that's allowed and I equip some, some pastors there and every time before I get up to speak, I'm like, Lord, please, like, let me speak this language. It'd be so amazing and it never happens. But uh, anyway, it does to some people. But for myself, four years ago, I, I tell you I'm really uncomfortable with the gift of tongues, and I also want to say I have the gift of tongues. And I'm still uncomfortable with it. Uh, four years ago, I was sitting at a conference and I was, I was praying, and I had this like, image go through my mind of, of God handing me a box. And these don't happen to me often, by the way. And I opened the box and in the box was the spirit of God. And I'm like, oh, amazing. And then all of a sudden, I'm sitting at this table, my friends around me, and I just start speaking this like gibberish and cerebrally. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, what is happening right now? And yet at the same time, I couldn't stop. And it wasn't like someone primed me up and there was like crazy music, like ramping up the mood. I'm just sitting there quietly praying And this this came on me, and it happened for about a half hour, continuous, and I felt like I was right in the presence of God in that moment, like I was speaking to God the Father in a way that I had never spoken to him before, and it was very normal. So supernatural ability to to do these things, but yet it feels very normal. My buddy Jeff, when the guy sat down, he's like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, you're speaking Spanish. It wasn't like the, the place started to shake before he spoke in Spanish. It just happened. Now, tongues is a gift for some. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 12, if you have a Bible, you can open it up to 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. Um, But in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 30, it says, do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in other tongues? Do all interpret? And the answer is no, not everyone does this. And so tongues is really a gift for some people. It's not for, for everyone, And what I want to say about this gift is that there's no shame about this gift. If you have it or you don't have it, there's no shame in having it or not having it. That God is a good gift giver. And the gifts that he gives to you are for his glory, for his fame, and it's not about you. And so you don't have to live in shame with having it or not having it. Feeling like I'm not good enough or I'm really good and that's why I have this but I would say that if if you don't have it or you don't have a gift that you would want, feel free to ask God for that gift because the gifts reveal who God really is and it's God's presence coming through these gifts and so there's nothing, I can't imagine meeting with someone who says, I wanna know God more, so I'm gonna start asking for more of the spiritual gifts and like, no, 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 no. No, that's greedy. You can't ask for more of God. The, the amount of God that you have is enough. It's like, no, we want more of God. Did you know 50 trillion years, years from now, not in years from now, 50 trillion years from now, you're still going to be exploring more of who God is. He's that infinite and majestic in his being that he's unfathomable in, in measurement. It's quite astonishing. But we should ask for more of God. So tongues is a gift for some, but it's also primarily prayer. Paul writes this in um, 1 Corinthians 14, verse, um, verse 2. For the person who speaks in another tongue is not speaking to people, but to God. Since no one understands him, he speaks mysteries in the Spirit. And this is really important. What Paul does here is he's going to give uh, instructions for how we, would do, uh, how we would use the gift of tongues in a gathering like this but he doesn't give instructions for your private life. So Paul is encouraging you, if you have the gift of tongues and, and it's a prayer language to be, to be using that in your private time, in, in your uh, relationship with, with God, that tongues can praise and give thanks to God, we find out in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 16. My question like, that I don't have an answer to is, why do we need tongues? Why couldn't we just do this in our own language? And I would just say, I, I don't know. And I would say that if, if God got most glory by doing it in our mother tongue, then I think he would do that. But because God always does what is best, I think he gives gifts of tongues to people because that's what's actually best. And that's what's gonna give him most glory and make him most famous. So tongues is primarily a prayer language. And tongues can build up and strengthen the follower of Jesus in uh, 1 Corinthians 14.4. It says, the person who speaks in another tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Tongues is a way, hear this, tongues is a way to be close to God to experience closeness with God. But some of you do that through worship music. Some of you do that through long hikes in nature where you're getting to, to see God's creation and to engage with him. Some of you do that through naps, right? I give glory to God as I take naps. It's, it's amazing, you feel close. But, um, but one of the things that, that God gives this gift to us for is also a prayer in tongues. So it says that this gift of tongues, the person who speaks in another tongue builds himself up but we're part, of, we're part of the body. If you're part of the church, you're part of the body. And it's not just about building you up, but also praying for other people, potentially in tongues. This is where it gets a bit strange, right? So um, a few weeks ago, no, last week actually, we were in a meeting and we heard about someone's um, spouse who wasn't doing well. They were, they were sick physically. And, uh, and I had this very strong sense that we need to be praying for this person in tongues. Now, you need to know that that's not my normal go-to. I'm not like, hey, let's pray for that in tongues. Don't do that. But I had the strong sense that we should be praying for this person in, in tongues. And, and so I contacted this guy and I said, hey, I've been praying for, for your wife, um, in tongues, it, it's weird to me, but here's what I've been praying and, and I'm seeing this stuff and he's like, man, that's exactly what we've been praying for as well and that's what she's exactly been, been praying for and so why couldn't I just pray in my normal English or, or French? I pray sometimes in French. Why did it have to be tongues? I, I don't know, but I knew that the Spirit of God was inviting me into that and so that's what, that's what I did, that we can build up the body as we're praying in tongues. So how, how do tongues get practiced in gatherings in settings like this? How do we make much of Jesus by, by using what seems to be this like heavenly gibberish type of thing? Like how does that make much of him? And I wanna acknowledge again, this might be strange to you. I would just say this is like uber biblical. And so we wanna be extremely biblical as we're looking at things and not think what, what would this seem to, to someone else? Or this seems strange to me. God sometimes does strange things, right? But here's how tongues get practiced in gatherings of the church. Uh, Verse 26 of 1 Corinthians 14. What then, brothers and sisters, whenever you come together, each one has a hymn, a teaching, a revelation, another tongue, or an interpretation. Everything is to be done for the building up. Did you know it's not just supposed to be preachers or teachers or musicians that prepare something before they come, but the whole church is supposed to be preparing before they come. Like as you're working through the week, it's asking the question, God, what do you want for me to bring? What do you have for me to bring to our Sunday gathering? That this works out more, the church is supposed to be more like a potluck than a restaurant where like you come and it's like, oh, what do you want to hear for a sermon today? It's like, "Mm, I feel like this and this and this, but don't say these things. Like, okay, good. It's like, no, yeah, there's a sermon. Yeah, we respond, but we all bring something. This is what Paul is saying that Wednesday, you should be asking God, God, is there something that you want to do in me and for me to bring for the good of the church? And maybe you receive a tongue on Wednesday that you look for interpretation throughout the rest of the week so you can come on Sunday with that. We, we have this strange thing that we only think that if something is spontaneous, that that's authentic. And that's just not true. Right, if I showed up and I'm like, well, I've been preaching all day, but I've been kind of bored, so I'm just going gonna, gonna to preach off the cuff tonight, right? I don't really even know what I'm going to say. You'd be like, you're a joker, man. Like, get out of here. Or like Cirque du Soleil, like, practices in this space. Imagine if the, these people practice hard. Imagine if they showed up and you pay like your $90 for your ticket. They're like, we haven't really practiced this at all because we really wanted to be authentic about this. And we just want to see what happens tonight. People would seriously get hurt, Right? So on, on Wednesday, that's just as authentic. Hearing from the Spirit on Wednesday, praying about that, and then bringing it to us on Sunday, so that we can partake in that. So each person comes with their gift. Secondly, tongues have to be done decently and in order. What was happening at Corinth is that everyone's chirping, everyone's going off in their tongue, and Paul's like, eh, "Enough, not helpful." Not anything goes. He writes in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 40, but everything is to be done decently and in order. And he writes previously in verse 27, if anyone speaks in another tongue, there are only to be two or at most three, each in their turn, and let someone interpret. It's pretty specific. Paul's saying if this gift is gonna be used, it needs to be done in a very specific way. Third thing, Paul says, is don't forbid tongues. Silo two, Tongues don't exist, you're wrong, right? Don't forbid tongues. He says this in verse 39. Then, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy. Do not forbid speaking in other tongues. These gifts are gifts from the Lord, and they're for the church. My wife and I, um, we were both born in the U.S., uh, confession time. I'm also Canadian. Um, there's that. Um, but we, we really think that U.S. nailed Thanksgiving, Right? When you put the two together, you're like, I'd choose U.S. Thanksgiving any day. Like, Canadian Thanksgiving, cool, get Monday off. U.S. Thanksgiving's like four days of constant food and naps and glory, right? It's amazing. And so a few years ago, my wife and I, we invited three couples over, one from Iran, one from Mexico, and one from the Philippines. We invited them over, and we're like, hey, we're inviting you for U.S. Thanksgiving. We want to share our gluttonous moment with you, right? And uh, so we said, you can't bring anything. Don't bring anything, right? Absolutely not. And being from those hospi- hospitality cultures, what did they do? They brought stuff. And they came in with their little dish. They're like, oh, I brought chicken adobo. I'm like, "Ah, oh, I love chicken adobo, but you're ruining Thanksgiving, you know? In, in my mind, it's like, you're ruining this. You're blowing it. We wanted to, like, show you what, like, potatoes with too much butter and big turkey and Gravy on everything, like cranberry sauce. It's gross every other day of the year except Thanksgiving. It's good and glorious, right? You ruined it. My idea of Thanksgiving was being ruined. And that's what we do with the gifts that God gives sometimes. That God says, I want to gift the church with the gift of tongues. And you're like, ah, but chicken adobo doesn't fit with U.S. Thanksgiving. Ah, the gift of tongues doesn't fit with my understanding of what the church is supposed to be. That's a little bit weird. Tacos doesn't go with green beans. And we think that we have a better idea of the church and what the church needs than what God says the church needs. We have to be careful of this because tongues don't ruin anything. In fact, tongues might be bringing something in immense clarity that we were missing Before. And the fourth thing I want to say, and then we'll wrap up with some practical things, is that tongues, when they're used, require, require, it's like bold letters in my notes, require interpretation. In the public gathering, if you're private in your own house and you're praying and you're praying in tongues, you do not need an interpreter. Okay, I just want to say that really clearly. You don't need an interpreter. But if you're here and you're speaking in tongues, you need an interpreter. We need someone to be interpreting and maybe that's you. Maybe you interpret yourself, but here's why. Here's why. Listen to what Paul says in chapter 14, verse 23. He says, if therefore the whole church gets together and all are speaking in other tongues, so imagine we just all go for it, and people who are outsiders or not yet Christians come in, won't they say that you're out of your minds? Paul's being like, man, everyone's gonna think you're nuts. You're crazy. This isn't the way that things are supposed to function. He says, others also aren't encouraged. You think that like, oh yeah, I'm speaking in tongues. But he says in verse 17, for you may very well be giving thanks, but the other person is not being built up, not being encouraged. Right? It's kind of like the French, French pastor speaking to the English listener. It's like, no idea what you're saying. You're not helping me in any way. And so Paul says to the the person with tongues in verse 13, therefore the person who speaks another tongue should pray that they can interpret. Look for an interpretation. And so I just want to talk briefly about the gift of interpretation as well. This isn't a general gift of interpreting. It's not interpreting dreams. It's not interpreting like your, your hunger or appetite. It's not interpreting your Enneagram. It's not interpreting anything like that. It's specifically interpreting tongues that are given in the church. And so the gift of interpretation is this, the spirit empowered, spirit empowered ability to translate a public utterance into the language of the church. So that could be French, that could be Portuguese, that could be English. Whatever the language of the church is, that interpreter is giving what the tongue is so that we can all understand. It could be word for word, it could be a summary, it could be a paraphrase, it could be an explanation. But when a tongue is interpreted, All can join in on the message. It's like hearing, you know, Buddy over here doing the tongue, and then the interpreter says, Did you know that God wants to encourage you with this and this and this, and God thinks this about you, and God is so pleased with these aspects of your life, and you're like, Hey, when Buddy was talking, I had no idea what he was saying, but now I'm so encouraged by this. Like, this is strengthening me. This is what the gift of interpretation does. Um, I've experienced this uh, two times in significant ways. there was a guy in our church named James. Uh, he would—he would, he was a prophetic guy, uh, which we looked at the gift of prophecy a few weeks ago. You could listen to that podcast if you're interested. Uh, but he would often uh, share things uh, in our gatherings. But one time he came down and said, hey, Dwight, I have a tongue. And I'm like, oh man, like tongues. I'm like, dude, I don't know. Like we haven't really practiced that as a church. Like I don't want to do a new teaching today. And I said, but if, if you have a tongue, then we need to find an interpretation. He's like, oh, I have that too. I'm like, oh, okay. So I just went up front, and we used to meet at the Scotiabank Theater. So I went up front and said, hey, Bible says, there's this gift of tongues, interpretation. Uh, Here's James. I'm going to have him share. And, uh, and he did, and people were significantly impacted by what he shared that day. And in my mind, I'm like, why didn't he just share in English? Why couldn't he just, he was from Wales, so he had this welsh accent I'm like why couldn't he just you know welsh it out for us um but when i asked him about that he said well that's not how i heard it from god he said the tongues that's that's how i heard it so i wanted to share what i heard and then share the interpretation of that as well i'm like oh that's biblical um i was at a conference one time the same day that i i got the gift of tongues, I was sitting there and some guy was over, over there, again, very uncomfortable with this, and he said something in tongues and I'm listening to him and I knew exactly what he's saying. Only time it's ever happened to me in my life. I knew exactly what he was saying and then I'm like, oh, that's, that might be the gift of interpretation. And then God said to me, like internally, not like yelling at me, but internally, you need to share that I said, oh, God, this isn't my conference. I'm not going like, to run up, grab the mic, and be like, yo, 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 i got a word. But I went up to the conference organizer and said, hey, this guy said this thing in a tongue. Uh, I have the interpretation of it. I've never done this before. I'll just go sit down. Like, We don't need it. And he's like, no, 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 I, I would love to hear that. You should share that with the people here. I'm like, okay. I, I share it, and, and people were really encouraged by that. And it felt so normal. It's like the first time that you can understand a foreign language and you're like, oh my goodness, I get it. It was like that. But I had never heard this guy talk like that before. I just knew what he was saying. So this is what the gift of interpretation really is. And when, when these gifts are working well, we really have a significant opportunity to hear from God. This is like heaven breaking into our little room, into our little world. And it feels so strange and it causes fear for some of us. So Sam Storms in his book, Understanding the Spiritual Gifts, says, why are we afraid of tongues? And he gives a few answers, and I'll just run down these. Because we feel like it could be artificial. If you're like me, you've seen people uh, produce certain things, because that's the culture they came from, that's what they're supposed to do, so like they get all hopped up and they just start speaking in, in some way, shape, or form, because that's what everyone else is doing. And so you're afraid of it. But I would say, don't be afraid of something that's artificial when there's something that's real and true that God wants to give to you or to the church. Um, You say, uh, it might, or it doesn't feel, um, doesn't feel sufficiently supernatural. It sounds very normal. And I'd say, yeah, like that's really good. Experiences with God don't have to be like the room is shaking. In fact, um, I've never had an experience where the room is shaking. Right? God speaks in very normal ways. You might say, uh, I'm, I'm scared because it doesn't sound like a language at all. And, and I'm afraid of being, being found out to be very silly. Like, this is, just sounds a bit ridiculous. And I would say, it, it does sound silly, in a sense, when you first hear that. But so does the gospel. So does the good news of Jesus. I remember growing up thinking, like, this is it? I mean, like, I had respect for the church. I had respect for the Bible. I had respect for, for God because people close to me had that, but I, nothing equated it. It all sounded really silly that, that someone came and lived and died for me and that was going to make my eternity secure with him. Like, that sounds really simple. And yet when I understood it, it was so profound. And so this gift, though it might be silly, is God breaking in through you. And you say, I, I'm afraid of that because I'm not comfortable with it. I'm just not comfortable with it. And so it might take time for you. I, I'm trying to be very open by sharing. I'm still not comfortable with it all the time. I'm still processing through like, I believe it. We function that way. But yet it's, it still feels foreign to me at times. But we don't need to fear the gift. You don't need to fear the gift because the gift is pointing to the giver that wants to give more of himself to us corporately. So, a few pieces of advice, and then I'll invite Valentina up and we'll respond. For those of you who speak in tongues, use this gift as God wants you to within biblical boundaries. Right? Use this gift. Don't snuff it out. Use this gift. Share with the church as God gives you an opportunity and a word to do that. And I'll share more about that in just a second. But seek an interpretation. If you have a tongue, seek an interpretation. For that and pursue this gift with humility, right? You did not earn this. You were not given this gift because God liked your hair and thought tongues would go really well with it, right? It's because God desired to do this in you, and you're not more holy because of it. For those of you who don't speak in tongues, this gift is given to other people for you. Receive and benefit from others and use your gifts, Right? Don't be like, oh, I don't have the gift of tongues, so therefore I'm not that important. Like, No, 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 no. That's not what the Bible says at all. It's saying receive the gifts that other people have and use the gift that you have. Don't be discontent with God because he hasn't given you something that you really want. God will give you the gifts that you need, but you're free to ask him. Keep asking him. John Piper, he's a, a well-known pastor from Minnesota, um, older, much older man, and he says he still asks God for the gift of tongues. Because he says, God, if this is going to let me be in closer relationship with you, I want it. But I'm sufficient with what you want, right? Very sufficient with what you have. So, how's this going to work in our church? How does this work in church 21? In private, you're free to do what you want. There's no like Big Brother Church 21 thing going on. We're not looking in your homes. You pray in private, you pray in tongues, you intercede for people, you do whatever you want, right? There's no biblical law or boundary for what you do in private. But when we come together in the gathering like this, if you have the gift of tongues, I wanna know about that. As a local pastor, I wanna know that. If you have the gift of interpretation, I wanna know about that. And if you're hearing things throughout the week, I want to know about that. If you're here and you receive something while you're here, God's speaking something to you, I want to know about that. And I I want you to share that with me. And we might not share that with the whole church in this moment. I don't think when God gives a word to us that we necessarily need to run and share it right away. Sometimes we need to process that, we need to pray about that, we need to seek an interpretation, we need to grow in wisdom with that, but I wanna hear about it. Don't be ashamed to say, I think that this is my gift. And the gift that we're really lacking, I think as the larger church, is that gift of interpretation. So if this is your gift, we wanna help you discern how to use this well. So, Wrapping up, the outcome, the outcome of tongues and interpretation isn't cool gifts that we get to watch on display. They're really building us up and allowing us to hear from God. God is making himself more accessible to us in a new way so that we get to understand more of who Jesus is and what he wants. And we will be able to say that God is in our midst. God is in our midst and he's working in very supernatural ways to bring Jesus glory and it's all possible through Jesus. Let me invite Valentina to come up and we're gonna respond in a few different ways. Um, number one, uh, if, if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're like, I, I, need, I need to be a follower of Jesus, like I want him, uh, you can have him. He's here and he's ready for you that he came for you, he came to die in your place and came to rise for you and to give you everything that you need, to give you eternal life, to give you forgiveness of rebellion and sin. And you can just ask him and he will rescue you. Um, secondly, if you're part of Church 21, we, we give. Um, sometimes churches talk about money and manipulate and they're like, the more you give, the more favor God's gonna give to you. Eh, that's not it. We give because God is a giver and he's generous and we have expenses here. And we also are um, connected to all sort of mission work happening in our city uh, for, for people who don't yet know Jesus and for people who have lots of needs. And so we give because God is a giver and everything you have, including your masks are his. You're like, I'd be glad to give that back to him any day he wants it, but he owns everything and he wants for us to be generous in that way. If you have uh, the gift of tongues and you're like, "Something tonight like landed with me," uh, I'll be in the back, and you can come share that with me. We're going to enter into a time where Valentina is going to lead us through some prayers. She's going to sing um, over us, uh, and she's going to lead this time, and very excited for what the Spirit of God uh, might do. And uh, so let me, let me pray, and then you can go for it. Do you want this, by the way? Or are you good? OK? God, thank you that you are here. You are with us. You are in our midst. Uh, thank you that you give gifts to your church. Thank you that you give gifts like mercy and compassion, and that we're very comfortable with. But if we're honest, we're not even comfortable receiving mercy at times. But you give gifts of, of tongues and interpretation. And I pray, I pray for our city that that many people in our city would come to know who you are. I pray that you would gift your church in such a way that that she would not be private. Um, or prideful in, in her faith, but rather it would be one that, that has wheels and that's moving around the city, declaring and demonstrating the goodness of who you are, that we'd be very active, active like these kids above us, moving around all the time, that that's, that would be how our faith really is. Spirit of God, would you speak to our hearts? Would you help us to worship you? Would you, would you help us to know who you are and that you're with us and that you're for us? Would you help those who, who might not know you to turn to you this evening and become followers of you. And I pray that you'd help us to be a generous people, a generous people that would give our, our time, our talent, and our treasure. And so we love you, Jesus. We're needy people. And um, we thank you that we get to be in your presence. I pray this in your name, amen.